0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. What I'm doing right now, some of you can't see me, don't worry, I'm not going to sneak up on you, but I'm actually um, acting out. A metaphor the Bible uses quite often. Um, Paul loves it, as we'll see tonight. But Jesus used it before Paul. And so, I'm um, acting it out. Do you know what I'm doing? Huh? Someone said it. Walking. Walking. So often we see in the Bible um, the, the metaphor for walking that um, is used. And Jesus said that um, without him, we're walking in darkness. But, and you heard in Paul's prayer for a ministry, the Genie local ministry that, that we pray for and support, um, he said when you are walking in him, you're walking in the light. You guys made that happen. Congrats. So as I, I, I walk... Um, is physically walking but the metaphor is living life but it's meant to portray this idea of purposeful right I'm progressing now there's different ways of walking as we we know some of you walk like this right some of you are a little bit more like this right but you're walking and you're progressing and you're purposefully pushing forward and in what we're going to see in our passage um tonight is this idea that yes we need to learn the truth extremely important but only as important as we walk in it we live it so learn it but also live it as we look at Colossians today let's pray before we go to uh, his word father we um, are so grateful to celebrate the Lord's Supper and to be able to do that together and to be able to move around and, and gather. And it's just something that we probably, at least I know I, once took for, for granted, Lord, and I just pray that um, this will will always be able to do this. Because, God, there is nothing like celebrating your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come before your word, as we look at this idea of what it means to walk in you, Jesus, that you would show us each as individuals and us collectively as your church, that we would come as a, in, in a spirit of readiness, that you would have something for us, that this is your truth, Lord, that we would be humble, including me, just humbled before you, God, that this is your truth, this is your word, and this is your life. And God, I pray that we would be rooted deeply in you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. So if you, uh, are, if you brought a, a Bible, it's always good to bring a Bible, um, or if you're using one of our Pew Bibles, uh, you can open to Colossians. We're in chapter 2, so we're moving right along, starting with verse 1. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, we like to try to remind you of this, you can use one of those Pew Bibles and bring that home with you. We'd love to give that to you as a, a gift. So um, we will also, of course, put it on, on the screen for you, uh, but it's always good to, to follow along. And, uh, you know, as, as you do this, you know, this summer we have uh, so many good things going on already. Uh, I know I clearly, sorry, Ariel, missed the barbecue last uh, week, uh, but I will make the next one next week, if, assuming weather's okay. Uh, we'll do the barbecue. Uh, we have a baptism coming up. Uh, if, you are, if God's been leaning on you to have a believer's baptism, still time to include you. That's happening July 18th, I think. Um, and so some people are going to be baptized. That's an awesome thing. We have some summer discipleship classes that have been going really, really well. We have VBS coming up. Um, a lot of you have volunteered for that. That's the beginning of August, so uh, we've been assured So continue to pray that the new renovation space will actually be ready for that, um, and uh, that's that's really exciting, too. It's close. That wall will be coming down soon. And then Family Fun Day at the end of August on the October. On, uh, common which we weren't able to do last year so that's coming and all kinds of stuff in the fall and it's a little bit daunting to start all of this stuff so be praying about that and and those who are leading those things but also how you might plug in Um, because uh, so many opportunities to plug in whether it be a bible study or a small group or a ministry team something like that to use your gifts and to grow as we'll see today as we always see growing together in Christ so Pray for that, because it's, it's exciting, but it keeps you up at night sometimes, right? Uh, and, and, you know, when, when we, we come to our, our scripture for tonight, um, Paul, it, this is really just a continuation from last week. If you were here last week, didn't Pastor Bob just did an amazing job preaching that text? Um, oh, come on, don't, no clapping, no clapping. He's here. He's not here right now, so we can, we can um, just not when he's here. You don't want to boost his ego too much. Uh, but he did a great job. I was here at the 9, actually, um, and I was able to, uh, on Sunday morning, I was able to cure to that. Um, and, 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 you know, he he loved that text because he took, Paul was speaking kind of generally about the struggle he has in the gospel, right? And, 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 the, and the battle is not with the flesh and blood, right? It's it, whenever someone is preaching or teaching who Jesus is, there's a struggle and a battle. And I just, you know, he obviously, and, and I really thank thanked him for this, but he, he applied it quite a, quite a bit with me, obviously being the lead pastor here and preaching most of the time here, um, but I want to remind you that that battle is anyone who, who's maybe leading your small group, teaching a Bible study, uh, leading VBS, or Children's Church, or anything, you know, that battle for anyone who's trying to do anything for the gospel, it, it exists. It's a struggle, and we need to be ready, and that's why we pray for each other, we forgive each other when we blow it, and it's also why we encourage each other. And so as Paul gets to chapter 2, remember, we have the chapters weren't there. This is really just a continuation from uh, the, the thought that we had last week is this struggle. But now, you see, that was kind of general. He's talking about the, generally the struggle. He's in prison, and, and so clearly that's a struggle uh, because of the gospel. And, and there's this general struggle that Paul had, and he's going to try to make it more personal. Because Colossae, remember, they're a church that had never met Paul. Epaphras had come to Christ under Paul's ministry, probably in Ephesus, and he went and started the church. He brings a report back to Paul in prison telling him how things were going. And things were mostly going well, except there was some false teaching that, that had been kind of threatening the, the church. And so Paul writes this letter. But you've got, you got to imagine, they probably could have easily sought as a little impersonal because they didn't know Paul. Just like in 2021, as we read Paul's letter, we love Paul, we love the Word of God and all that, but you know what? You've never had dinner with Paul, right? You've never uh, laughed with Paul, cried with Paul, had a fight with Paul, right? The Corinthians sure did, right? The Ephesians did, right? So so some of these letters, the Philippians, right, they're very personal because he knew them. Yet, this, this group of believers, they'd never had that either. So, Paul, I think, really wants them to see that his struggle with the gospel is very personal, even uh, with them. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle that's just a giant, that means a gigantic struggle that I have for you, Colossi, church in Colossi, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face-to-face. Face. Laodicea was a sister church. It was 11 miles northwest of uh, the Colossian church. And, and so probably they were going to read this letter too because they were probably suffering from the same false teaching. That's what we think anyway. And, but Paul wants like, both those churches to know, like, look, this isn't just a general struggle and you're just kind of nameless faces and you know, I, I write this letter and good luck. Like, I'm struggling in prayer for you. I deeply care about what happens to you. This matters so much to me. This is the, the the love that I have for you, even though I've never met you face to face. I want you to realize how much I care. Because the, the eternal things are at stake. So he says that, that that's my struggle for you. And, and and he and he continues the sentence, what's the struggle? What, what's he so strug- what, you know, what does Paul want to see? That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and so you know a lot of words there and i think that's why praise god even peter said paul sometimes hard to understand but it's God's word, right? It's scripture. And so, so we, we look at this, though, but I think this, these, use these words, we've seen already, used some of these words already, that the false teachers were most likely, again, we have to guess based on what Paul's saying, most likely saying to, to the, you know, the Colossian and probably Laodicea church as well, like, that's nice that you have that gospel that Paul taught and, 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 and Epaphras taught you, but you know what? We have a deeper spiritual experience over here where you will unlock the mysteries of God and that you will have an elite type of faith if you would do whatever right probably, you know, or, or procedure or program or, or ceremony. And, and, and most likely that was happening. And so that, that while they're trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ is over here kind of like, no, no, come on over here. And Paul's like, no, no, the answer is not what they're saying The answer is what you already have. All mysteries, all wisdom, all knowledge is in Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and, and that's what you need to go deeper in. And that's Paul's whole struggle. Go deeper into Christ. And in verse 4, he starts to give a hint of these false teachers. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So there it is. They're, being, they're, they're they're in Christ over here, but then there's this deluding. What that word just means is to be drawn away from a, the path you're on. Right? Deluding you. And there is plausible arguments. This means they're persuasive. They sound good. They, there's something about what they're saying that's like, ooh, I like that and they're probably emotional, please, and they're offering certain things. And, and, and he's saying, no, 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 you got to be careful because there is nothing more dangerous than plausible persuasive arguments that are not tethered to the truth, that instead are tethered to lies. Like, I want you to, uh, you know, if you, if you think about the, this idea of false teachers, but yet fall, uh, plausible arguments. This has been true since day one to day now, right? I'll, I'll see videos, you know, take whatever platform, you know, and people can comment on them, and 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 it's clear that some emotional plea sounds good, is, but it's complete what we call heresy. It's not the true gospel. It is a me-centered gospel. It is a a uh, health wealth. Uh, gospel and it's not the truth and yet you'll see good intentioned Christians saying oh he's speaking my truth gosh I hate that so much that's garbage my there is a truth there is no such thing as your truth there is a truth not my truth but you'll see people like say, hey, that that's wrong what he's teaching. And then others will pounce on them in the comments. Like, you don't have any right to judge. He he has meant so much or she has meant so much to, to me. And there's these plausible arguments. The problem is they're not tethered to truth. If um if, if just imagine a scenario with me, if I was um I had my hands full with something and I, I come up against a a really heavy trafficked three-lane uh, highway, right? And there's Cars are going pretty quick, and I have four very young children with me. Right there, you should say that's a bad idea. and You'd be right, okay? That would not be a good thing to leave four little kids. Just imagine they can walk, but they're very young. And I I have my hands full, so I can't physically do anything. So with my words, I begin to say, say to them, all right, kids. We come up against this highway and say, all right, has anyone ever seen the video game Frogger? played it. It's way more fun than your new video games, I promise you, right? So, so listen, you guys are so fast and so quick. I can see it. You, I, I just know. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to use that quickness and that speed, and we're going to get across that street, right? And whoever gets across it first, right, is going to win the prize, and we're all going to celebrate with ice cream, because there's an ice cream store right there. You guys ready? You ready to go? What do you think those kids are going to do? And you're going to throw me in jail, right? If they're your kids. So what I'm doing is I'm using plausible, I'm tugging at their heartstrings, right? We can do this, except it's not tethered to truth. If that actually happens, we're going to be going to the hospital, right? Or, or the morgue, because these kids should not do that. But it sounds so good to them, right? So well-intentioned brothers and sisters, I, I have seen, they, they see that happen, and so they go the other way. And they go, we got to stay away from emotional type of persuasive arguments. we just got to speak truth. You see, persuasion is not bad if it's tethered to truth. God gives you to be able to persuade, doesn't he? So if I had those four kids and we're there and I'm like, dear children, let me address you today. This is a very dangerous situation and if we should walk across right now, you will probably get in much pain and therefore you would have to go to the hospital or something even Worse, so here's what I should suggest. By then, what's happened? All four kids have already run for it because they haven't listened to a word I've said, maybe the first word, right? So, but what I've said is true. I've just bored them to death, and so plausibility or or persuasiveness is fine. In fact, it is tremendous. It is great if it's tethered to truth. That's the key. So instead, I bring these kids, and I'm like. Listen, little Johnny, I know you play soccer, right? Little Marie, you're a gymnast. You, like, you really want to play. You're, you're, you love gymnastics, right? Well, I think you guys are really great. But you know what? If we were to cross this street right now, you could get in a lot of, of injuries, and you'll never be that great soccer player or that gymnast, or, or you'll never. And, and you know what? We have such great plans. We're going to get ice cream at the end of this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to press that button, and we're going to wait for the light to turn, and we're going to cross when it's safe, right? And then we're going to have ice cream. We're going to play soccer. We're going to do cartwheels. Isn't that going to be awesome? Isn't that going to be fun? Yes, right? So now I've persuaded in truth. So persuasiveness is really good, but it is so dangerous when it's not tethered to what is actually true. And that's what was happening there. That's why every time I stand up here... People say, I walk a marathon, and it's true. It's tiring sometimes. I'll stand on my head. I'll use all kinds of object lessons, whatever, and just people that do it much better, but whatever I can do to persuade you, and yet, I will always tether it to the word of God. It's not the ideas or word of Jamie. It is the word of God, right? And so both of those things are good when they're tethered together. If you're only going to do one, be boring and be truthful, But never listen to someone just because they they make you feel good about what they're saying. Is it tethered to what is true or not? And that's what Paul's problem was. He says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So Paul is very, he's bursting forth with joy because as he's already said in chapter one, they're actually doing really great. Yes, these false teachers are a little bit of a threat, but they're, he's using here a military term to be firm, right, and in good order. So this is the idea, is that the, the Colossians are together. Imagine like troops and they're standing together and they're facing the truth. And, 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 and he's like, I'm, 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 I'm full of joy because that's your experience. Notice also that it is together. They are knit together in love, knit together in truth. They're together. If I could just get you to destroy this American westernized individualism that you can do your life in Christ by yourself, it's foolish. That we are meant to be together. Either one, yes, uh, the, the over 50 one another in scripture. How do you do that by yourself? We are here together. That's what he's the picture is this this military scene of they're they're in Christ together, right? And and yet there's this whisper over the shoulder of the false teaching, over here, over here. And he's like, stay there, firm in truth. Right? And and so he, he then moves into, and we're just going to look at 6 and 7 and pick up next week with verse 8. But he says, therefore, right? There's always a reason that therefore is therefore. And he says, therefore, because of what I just said. There you are, right? That you need to go deeper in the gospel, and I'm rejoicing because that's what you're doing, right? That all the mystery is found in him. Therefore, what? And he's going to give them an imperative. This is simply a command. Right? For something, because that's true, do this. And so he says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, the imperatives after that, after the comma, so walk in him. There it is. Walk in Christ. But first, he says, you can do that if what is true, you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Right? Because you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, you are now commanded to walk in him. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord, then no, you can't walk in him. That's got to be first. So he's making the assumption, because they're, they're, they're standing firm, they're in truth, that because you've received. So what does that mean? To receive Christ Jesus the Lord. There's, there's a couple of, I think, levels to it. Yes, it, it means to receive him in mind. And an understanding to believe, right, that, that, that what? What is, what is that which we receive when we believe? We have to know what it is. We can't just say, yeah, I believe nothing, right? So we know that, that, that God uh, so humbled himself that he took on flesh. Right? And, he, and he became, he's still fully God, becomes fully man. And that's Jesus. And he lives this perfect life that none of us ever lived, ever could live. He lived it. He was tempted at all different points. He struggled just like any of us. He got tired and hungry and all of that, and yet he never sinned. And so therefore, he's the perfect sacrifice. And then he humbled himself to the point of death, even on the cross. And, there, and it's there that he took every drop of God's wrath for you and me. He died in our place. He shed his blood to cover for our sin. That's what we celebrated earlier today, that Jesus, as Paul said, gave us a victory and the freedom. Right? That the, the, he then rose again three days later. The resurrection showed his victory over that. Freedom from sin and death. And he ascended into heaven, and, and someday he'll come back in glory. And we, we wait. But in the meantime, he sent us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he, 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 the spirit's with us, and he dwells each one of us, gives us gifts, and produces fruit so that we might walk in him. So when you receive Christ the Lord, you believe that in your mind. You believe that. And you also believe that he's given us truth to live by his word, right? And so when, when, when Christ is Lord, it says, I want you to be Lord of my life, Lord of my marriage, Lord of my parenting, Lord of my workplace, Lord of my health, Lord of my online presence, Lord of my sexual ethic, Lord of my, you know, you name it. That's what we're saying is that we believe that you're Lord, you're King. So that's the receiving them in our mind, but there's also, the Bible describes, a heart change, right? There is something, and and if you're a Christian, you could stand up here, push me out of the way, and give us testimony of the things that could not have happened if not for Christ. I was talking, a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Pastor Bob. For whatever reason, the subject of smoking came up. And I know he's just a wee bit older than me. And he's from a generation where pretty much everybody smoked. And so I said, man, you probably smoked, right? Because he doesn't now. And he's like, oh, when I was a young guy, I, I smoked. I was up to three packs a day. And he's like, I tried to quit and quit. I could not quit. He's like, you know how I quit? I was like, what'd you do to quit? And he goes, I became a Christian. And I was like, wow. Okay. He's like, as soon as I became a Christian, it was gone. Now, I know plenty of Christians, some are in the room, who want to quit and struggle with smoking, and it's a hard thing. I'm not saying that's everybody's experience, but it was his. He, he, he gained the freedom and the power as he received Christ as Lord. I think in my own life, I could give you a million examples. We don't have all night, but there is one that, that has always been interesting to me, because if you've come to know me in the last, say, 15, 20 years, as most of you probably have, the last thing I think you would describe me as someone with a bad temper. I don't have a short fuse. Um, it, maybe my kids would say differently, but no. I, you know, I, even with them, they would have to admit, everybody has their limits. But I rarely lose. I can count on one hand the times that I've thrown a temper tantrum since I've taken on full-time ministry. They happen, but not many. And, and i got to tell you, I grew up Irish, and the stereotype is true. My brother can attest to it. He's back in the sound booth hiding right now. But he can attest to it. I would go from zero to wanting to punch you in the throat several times. Like that for almost no reason at all. I had a temper so bad, right? And it went into my early years. I, I, uh, in early adulthood years, I should say. So Heather could re- remember sometimes because she's known me for a long time, even before I was a Christian. And so she could tell you, I would lose it like that. And yet, it, it's, when I became a Christian, it was just gone. It's been a bit of a process, but I have no desire to lose my temper. It happens sometimes. Yes, it's still a process, but I have no desire because Christ has given me the power and the freedom from that. I, I've already read a few of the testimonies that we'll be seeing before the baptism and, and things like I used to be angry and selfish and I used to, you know, this and that and addicted and, and yet when I trusted Christ, it, it's just it's, I don't want that anymore. It's this power and freedom. And that's what he's saying. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him because you're new, you're free, you're a new creation, you have a new heart, you have a new purpose. Because he did that. And verse 7 is simply describing how that looks. To walk in him. So the imperative is walk in him. Right? But then he gives us four participles. And uh, if you don't remember your English class, those are simply action or verbs. Action words or verbs that are used as adjectives. They describe what it means to to walk in him. And you can see them here. And in fact, uh, I'll get to it in a minute. But I have all of the participles represented here. Please don't drop it. Please don't drop it. Oh, is my mic still on? I'm sorry. And We'll get to those in a second. But first, let's read it. Rooted and built up in him. So the first is that you are rooted in him. Right? That's the first. The second is you are built up. It's such messy mixed uh, metaphors, right? You have a tree rooted in the gospel, gaining your sustenance from Christ, and then you have this idea of sort of like a building, you know, being built up in him. And the third one is established in the faith, just as you were taught. When you see that, that's not general faith, that's the faith. It is the body of doctrine and understanding, the truth right, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that comes with it. So it is that you are entrenched or established in what is true from God. Now, those three participles are in, and you guys are going to seem really smart after this, I promise, right, if you pay attention, that, that, that all three of those are in, uh, in the Greek what they call the divine passive. And passive just means you aren't doing it. God is. You are Because you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, God is rooting you. You are rooted in him. God is building you up. It's a process. And God is establishing you in the faith as you were taught. And so he's doing that right now. If you're even half paying attention to the word of God being taught, God, not Jamie, God is rooting you just a little bit deeper, building you up just a little bit more. Right? And, a, and establishing you even more in truth. The fourth participle is abounding in thanksgiving. That's in the active voice. That is your job. Right? God does those things as you walk in him. And the result of that is that we overflow with thanksgiving to the joys of Jesus Christ. And so, as we see that, and as we wrap that up, before we go... I want to apply it to each of our lives. The command, walk in Christ. If you've never received Christ, as I laid it out, believed the gospel, both mind and heart, then I give you permission to tune me out and you can do business with God right now by just saying, God, I want you save me, Jesus. You died for me. You rose in victory. You're coming again in glory, and I want to be saved. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. So many of us in this room have done that. Maybe you need to do that tonight. You're not going to walk in him until you do that. But as we look, as we think about that, for those of us who have done that, there's this imperative, all right? Now, walk in Christ. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't after you get, you know, get home from work, do your hobbies, you know, go on vacation, binge a Netflix series, then give me some time. It's just not what it is. He's saying, walk in Christ. Throughout all of those things, are you walking in Christ? And so it's an imperative. And he uses that that metaphor of, of walking. And as I said, to, as we began tonight, that I love that. That walking, there was a, a woman in our neighborhood. And it, it was... Every time I look out my window, it was like, every, about every day she'd go for a walk in the neighborhood. And she was one of those power walkers, you know? That's before they went to the malls, I guess, you know? And, and she was, I mean, she walked faster than I could run. And I was pretty quick. I'm like, how do you even do that? And some of you look around, there's Christians in your life who are like, they are walking so fast in Christ, I'll never walk like that. Don't ever say that. Because it is God. Who does it in your life? It's who God who did it in their life, and He'll do it in yours if you will avail Himself to God. All right, so, so there's there's that kind of walking, but praise God, there's another kind of walking too. All right? This um, uh, I don't know. A couple weeks ago, I was, I was turning into my road, and my road doesn't have any any uh, sidewalk. So I saw someone walking, so I slowed up because you know this could be dangerous. And I looked at him, and and I realized there was this guy, and he wasn't that old, although some of you might disagree. For me, he wasn't that old. He was probably in his 50s. He was a little bit older than me, but he he wasn't like, you know, 90-something years old. But he was struggling. He had a cane, and he was one leg. He was just kind of like this. And he looked up at me. He could tell he was not having fun, right? I don't think he was glaring at me, but I was like, man, like anytime I see someone like that, somebody I see someone walking, and they're trying to get some exercise, I have this thing in me where I want to roll down the window and go, you got this, but that's embarrassing, and my kids would never want to speak to me again. And 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 nobody wants that. But but I just feel compelled to just be like, I know that you want to give up, but keep walking. You're at least going somewhere. You're 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 not stopped. You're not sitting down. You're walking. And so I would say that to you if you feel like, man, that's my walk right now, Cain, and I'm I'm you know keep walking. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Keep coming to church. Keep going to your home group. Keep, uh, you know, opening your Bible. Keep trying to pray. Keep seeking the the Lord because, man, there are seasons where it feels like you have a cane. And there's also those seasons where you are flying as you walk in Christ. I would say this. If if you would answer the question, I'm walking with a cane, um, that would be your description of your Christian life for the last five years or last two years. You're doing something wrong. That shouldn't be how you always are. There's seasons like that, but if that's how you feel like your Christian life always is, then come see us. We will help you figure out what maybe is going on in your life that's constantly causing this struggle. All right. But if you're feeling that struggle, don't give up. That's the whole point of the walk. Walking in him. Walking in him. And so how do you walk in Christ? First, he says you're rooted. That's the metaphor. I brought a nice aloe plant here. If anyone has some rough skin, feel free to grab some afterwards. Um, but, you know, this is like maybe the new Christian where the roots are tender. you got to be kind of careful. you got to make sure because you could die pretty quickly, right? And, and, and so that might be you where the, the roots aren't big yet. But have you ever uh, tried to dig a hole near a huge bunch of trees? Is that a miserable experience or what? Right? You're like... Oh, that root, it's bigger than my head, right? It goes so deep into the ground, it's like they're seeing it in China. Because that tree has grown, and it only has grown because the roots have gone deeper. And so what Paul is saying, you walk in Christ as God roots you deeper and deeper into the truth of the gospel. And so it sustains you and you bear fruit, as we saw in chapter 1. And so now, why, why can you forgive your husband or your wife? Well, how did Christ forgive you? How can you uh, uh, encourage someone that drives you crazy and annoys you? Well, what did God do for you when you were his enemy? How, how can I um, you know, continue to, to, to pray for someone who just, oh, I'd rather punch him instead? Well, what did Jesus pray for you even when you were his enemy? And so as the gospel sustains you, the fruit, God begins to root you deeper and deeper in it. Right and, and so we are rooted in Christ, not a new spiritual experience or, or, or false gospel. Secondly, what did he say? We're built up. And we've used this throughout this letter already, right? The example of being built up is like a, a house. And, 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 and what does this teach us? That even no matter who you are or how long you've been following Christ, He's not done with you. It's a process. There's nobody, there's nobody in this room, me included, that's like sitting back and looking at our lawn and our beautiful house and saying, wow, we're finished. Look what God did. Every one of us is in process. right? If you just came to Christ yesterday or today, maybe you're here, but you've got the foundation of the gospel and God's going to build you and he's going to keep building you. As you walk in him, he's going to continue to build in your life. This is why you don't give up. This is why we should be patient with others because you know what? They're in process too. Right? For some reason we want to give ourselves a break. I'm in process. But other people, we think they should have arrived. But no, we forgive them, we pray for them, we encourage them because God's working on them too. Right? We're, we're being built up. We're rooting. And that's, that's walking in him. You see all these awesome um, Uh, metaphors. And then, I just love this, of course, to be established in the faith as you were taught. You aren't going to walk well. That is represented here by the faith. This is the faith that you were taught. Some of you were taught as a little kid. Some of you are being taught for the first time tonight, and there's everywhere in between. But this is the truth of the word of God. And as you establish or entrench deeper into the truth of God's word, right, you walk in him. It's not gonna happen unless you avail yourself to this. I've read this many times. I've gone to seminary, I've studied it and studied it, and yet it is my delight most days to sit And read and think about what God is saying through his truth. It never, ever, ever, ever ends. Because this is living and active. This isn't a textbook. This is God's truth. And he moves us and he roots us. We walk in him by knowing, memorizing, singing this. Because this is God's truth. This is why we come to church to hear sermons. This is why we sing words that are from Scripture. This is why we go to Bible studies. This is why we open it up in the morning. Because this, or at night, or whenever your time, this is how we can walk in Him. You're not going to happen without it. It's not. That's why I would encourage you. That's why we're also supposed to do it together. right? Knit together in truth and love. I encourage you to get with other believers. Open it up and dive into it you want to walk in him and if you want to do what god tells you to do you're going to walk in him because it's an imperative and so the 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 last thing was the only active one and and the one that we will finish with today and that's just simply abounding in thanksgiving let me give you a picture of that very simple picture of that i'm going to run See that? I know, that's a waste of a good Coke, but it's for the glory of God, all right? (laughs) Someone's like, you shouldn't be drinking Coke anyway. It's okay. I sprinkled it with some essential oils. We're good. It's fine. But that's the picture of abounding in thanksgiving, okay? And it's active. So that means we do it in song, we do it in prayer, we do it with testimonies, right? And so this is not only our result of walking in Christ, it's a beautiful test of where you are. Are you walking in Christ if you have zero desire to, be, to, to praise Christ, to, to, to abound in thanksgiving? I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you're not walking in him because it's going to happen. It wells up. When you realize who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, his promises, no matter how much you might be struggling or hurting or in pain, you just want to thank God for who he is, right? Abounding in thanksgiving, bursting forth. And so that's why when we, we sing, some of you have different personalities, some of you that you're incredibly reserved, so you know, when the greatest thing in your life happens, you go, yes, right? Okay, so no one's expecting you to, to go nuts. This might be what you're doing. You're just singing like this or you're praying like this. But some of you, man, you're team wins and you got foam fingers, you're paint, you're waving, you're doing this. And then, you know, something, a song comes on about Jesus and you're like, mm, that says something about my heart, right? And so with your personality, as you praise, as you praise, as you give testimony, we are walking in Christ. We are abounding overflowing with thanksgiving. Let that Coke bottle be you. Let it be us as we respond to the Lord who we've received. Let's pray. I want to pray for you, and uh, hopefully as I do that, you'll pray for me and pray for one another. Lord, I, I thank you that we are in process, and I pray for those who might be walking with a cane tonight, that they're struggling, but they love you, Jesus, they're just struggling right now. Lord, I pray you give them a peace. I pray that they'll feel not guilt, but uplifted by your truth, that we're here with them. We're side by side. We're knit together in love because of you, Lord, that they would know that as they leave here tonight that they can sing along with anyone else just because you deserve it and you deserve our, the, the glory, all glory. And Lord, for those who are walking fast in Christ and rooted deeply, thank you for what you've done in our doing. I pray that they will continue to shine your light, continue to avail themselves to your word, and continue to fight the good fight. Praise God for them. I pray that they would avail themselves to others and be an example to those who need it. And Lord, I I thank you that you root us and you establish us. And Lord, I pray that we would be thankful unto you. That even in this last song and as we go through this week, that we'll find opportunities to overflow with thanksgiving to you. That you'd remind us, tangibly remind us of who you are and what you've done. And lastly, Lord, I pray for anyone who's never received you as Lord. I pray that they have, even as I gave them permission, to just do business with you. But that you, O oh God, would open their eyes, open their hearts to the faith they need to put their trust fully in Jesus' finished work on the cross. That they would know no more shame because of their sin, because you took it all on Calvary. That they would just give their lives over to you, even now, as I pray, Jesus' save me. Lord, that we would, as we stand and sing, that it would be an overflowing thanksgiving to you because you've saved us. You've loved us so much, you saved us. Thank you for your word and your truth. We praise you forever because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and overflow with thanksgiving together.